It's the Big Baseball Podcast with Kyle and Drew Charters. We're getting deeper into the Big Ten season now, and we'll see fans soon, so hooray for that as we get ready for weekend number four. Kyle Charters along with Drew Charters for the Big Baseball Podcast. Drew, fans in the stands this weekend. Yes. Including us, we will be in Alexander Field for Purdue and Rutgers. Almost 50... back to normal. <laughs> Almost. Yeah. Almost. Yeah, sure. Um, but a step closer, perhaps. And, you know, we'll be happy for fans. Uh, we'll be happy to be there in person. Calling baseball games from a TV monitor inside my converted home gym has been exciting, but I will be glad to not be listening to our YouTube crowd murmur in the background <laughs> of our podcast anymore. Somebody in that crowd is really funny. Yeah. Because there's, there's a lot of laughter There's a lot of on. children's laughter. Yeah. There's no crack of the bat. We're giving away all our secrets. To, to how we put together broadcast through these first few weekends, but it'll be nice to be back uh, back in the stadium, back with 50% capacity, uh, which I think means in Alexander, 750. Uh, we'll talk more about the, the fans being in attendance uh, in the Big Ten and sort of what that means on the program today. Also, uh, our guest Steve Owens, the second-year head coach of Rutgers. We've got a lot to talk about with him, uh, including his team's uh, homer streak, uh, they've been really tearing tearing the uh, the baseball apart, so that's been exciting to see from his club. We will get into that and much more with him. Let's hit our top stories, uh, Drew, for the week and, and start off with Indiana, which is at the top of the Big Ten. The Hoosiers taking two of three against the Boilermakers over the weekend. I think the most impressive part of all of that is that Indiana has done this without its head coach. Yeah. Jeff Mercer has been sidelined after getting the – COVID positive um, test, and I guess having some mild symptoms at least too, um, a couple of weeks ago. So uh, he has been out, but Indiana has continued to win, uh, including over the weekend against the Boilermakers. Yeah, they were able to take two games uh, versus Purdue, and you know Purdue led at least through most of the first two games in that yeah. series. Indiana won the first two to one uh, by scoring a couple late after. Uh, Purdue led one nothing most of the game. They lost game two and then came back with uh, some pretty good offense in game three to win nine to four. But the keys from that series for me is the Indiana pitching staff is human. You know, they mm-hmm. McCade Brown gave up some runs, he did, he struggled yeah. a bit mm-hmm. uh, after having that solid outing uh, the previous week against Penn State. Indiana had only given up more than two runs to a team once coming into that series. And Purdue scored eight in game two, and then they scored four in game three. So, uh, you know, an offense in the Big Ten was able to get to that pitching staff a little bit. So we'll see if that continues. Here's my question. Nine of the 11 games that IU has played, and the Hoosiers are nine and two, are against sub-500 teams. Yeah. How much consideration should we put into that when we're talking about Indiana and Indiana's start? Well, I think you. I think that in combination with Purdue's offense – getting to the pitching staff a little bit, you have to consider it. Yeah. So moving forward, you know, this week they go to Michigan State. Michigan State has a good offense. They're second in the league in batting average. They've got, I think, three or four of the top seven uh, in the league in average are up there, so they can hit the ball. So we'll see if that trend continues of scoring runs against the Hoosiers. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I I think we'll have to watch Indiana and, you know, with those two points in particular, see uh, what the future brings here for the Hoosiers. Maryland, um, you know, we talked about the Terps early in the season because they weren't performing the way that we expected them to be. I mean, slow out of the gate, 
But they're creeping back toward 500, and the reason they're doing so is because the Terps have won three of their last uh, four games. It's funny to look at Maryland because we talked about the big three, right? And yeah. then Benjamin Cowles is just... He came out of nowhere, huh? Yeah, kind of? I mean, certainly not in that that trio of, of radar, if you will, that, that we had. Um, he's hitting 371 with seven homers and 16 RBI, and that opening game the game one did you expect game one to be 19 to 10 right uh but, you don't but, see very many friday games that are 19 to 10 right? against yeah penn state uh i mean the, the terps just smoked bailey d's which you, you just never see cowell's in that game at five ribbies a double a home run uh making up for maxwell costa still being out so you know maryland maybe um has recovered a little bit and hovering right there around 500 certainly the slow start did not play the Terps out of what will be a long season. Yeah, you knew the offense was going to be there, and they're certainly showing it. They uh, On the season, they average just under seven runs a game, but if you take away that first series against Michigan State where they sort of sputtered coming out of the gate, uh, in the last seven games, they're averaging just under 10 runs per game. So uh, that offense is there. Uh, you've got uh, Sean Burke, of course, who's on the pitching mound and, and, and been around there forever, and then Jason Savakul, who they wanted to step in and be that number two guy, really has done that this season. So I think you're going to see that trend continue of Maryland winning games as that offense is still there and, and the pitching staff uh, really comes into form. A couple things of, I guess, of concern possibly is Costas is still out. Other concern is defense is last in the league. 18 mm. errors mm. Uh, in the 11 games they've played, so they got to clean up the defense Just hit well. the ball, baby. None of that yeah. matters. None of it matters if you're scoring 10 runs a game, right? No doubt. Smoke it. Uh, yeah, so we'll see uh, the, you know, with the Terps and see if they can continue to uh, climb back up the standings. You know, I want to talk a little bit about something uh, a little bit different here and uh, talk about Purdue. I know we've talked a lot about the Boilermakers here on the podcast, and Purdue played better uh, over the weekend. Um, it's played better here recently, and I, I think that is um, you know, starting to be a little more consistent, even though maybe the wins and losses don't yet show it. But the point with the Boilermakers is that if you look at the standings, and Indiana, Michigan, and Nebraska being atop the standings, uh, they have each played Purdue. Now, you can look at that from two angles, right, that – that maybe Purdue is down a little bit and those teams are at the top of the standings because they have had, quote, easier games. Or you can look at it from the Purdue perspective and say, hey, we have played, uh, if not the most difficult, yeah. one of the most difficult schedules to start the Big Ten. And perhaps, you know, that we are playing a little bit better uh, will bode well when the schedule lightens up a little bit. So, um what is what's the relationship there? What do you what do you draw from it? Well, I don't know if we have a whole lot of answers yet. I think it's something to keep your eye on. I think both of those things can be true, right? Well, yeah, I think I think that Purdue could not. I think that Purdue could be better than what its record has indicated, and and if they are, then we can look back and say, hey, Purdue got an unlucky stretch there to start the season, and they yeah. were faced a juggernaut of three teams. Yeah. If they don't, then we can. You know, we can come back and say, you know, that uh, those three teams, Indiana, Michigan, and Nebraska, led the Big Ten early because they took advantage of, they the, took schedule. Advantage of yeah. the situation. So I think both things can be true. I mean, uh, and which way that that needle needle yeah. Yeah. goes Turns. is going to be yeah. found out by us in the next 
two or three weekends. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's just a, it's an interesting thing to look at um, in relation to Purdue, and that's you know clearly the team that we watch every weekend, so we get a feel for what is going on there. Uh, you know, let's talk about sort of the opposite end of things um, in the Big Ten and, and the, the Golden Gophers who have really struggled. Uh, they're just struggling in, in every aspect. And we thought that maybe Minnesota would take a bounce back forward this year. Uh, be, but it just hasn't happened. I mean, the, the Gophers are hitting 222, which is last in the Big Ten. They have actually scored 45 runs, which is not last in the Big Ten. They're, I think they're third to last, so that's better, yeah. I guess. But the ERA is not good either, a 7.41. I mean, it's just, a, you know, they're just really struggling. Yeah, they just need to find some answers. Uh, J.P. Massey's been up and down so far this season. He's had, uh, you know, at least a, a good start or two, um, but really needs some consistency out of that out of that Friday starter. They returned eight of nine starters from last year, so this should be a Minnesota team that can compete, and they just haven't. They're batting. You mentioned the the low batting average at two twenty two. That is with Zach Robbie is batting four eighty four. Wow. You take him out of the lineup. Wow. I mean, what's that do to that team average? Significantly drops it. So I bet, I bet we could figure that out. I bet we could, but I didn't do it in <laughs> show prep. So <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, take a pause. I don't understand why on no. this little podcast we have, can we not get stats and research on this? I actually think I did figure it out for show prep last week, but it didn't make it into the show. And uh, I just didn't have time today. So uh, maybe next week. Yeah, next, next week. week. Put it on the, put it on the calendar. Uh, but yes, Minnesota definitely needs to find some answers here. Yeah. I don't know what else yeah, to say. Certainly yeah. so. All right, teams that we are not talking about, Drew. Um, Illinois. We we haven't. I mean, we did a little bit last week. Illinois sitting right there at the middle of the road. They're 6-6. Six and six. The fight and line are in the exact middle of the road everywhere. They're, yeah. uh, they went 2-2 two and two in the pod in Ann Arbor uh, with Michigan and Michigan State. Um, they are fourth in hitting. At 272, they don't have much power with four home runs. Eighth in ERA, uh, under five their ERA, so not bad. A four nine two. I don't know. They're they're perfectly uh, in the middle. What what do you have to say? <laughs> like perfectly right down the middle of the road. Yeah, I mean, what, what, I mean, what do you what do you say when nothing sticks out? Yeah. Either way, they're just you know the hang, they're hanging in there right now. Uh, I'll bring up Ohio State as another team that we haven't really talked much about, and they're middle of the road, and should they be better? You've got this – we talk all about this pitching staff of theirs with uh, Burhan and Lonsway and uh, uh, Smith, and they're just kind of middle of the road. And mm-hmm. they were kind of middle of the road last year when, this, when the season shut down as well. So Yeah. Um, yeah, just looking to see whether either one of those two teams makes a move or if this is – you know, just what reality is. I yeah. think Illinois, I mean, you know, splitting between Michigan and Michigan State is a pretty good weekend, I think. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, I, I would take, you would take two and two. If you're playing in a pod against Michigan, Michigan State, I would take two and two. That's not a bad, that's, not that's, a bad weekend. That's pretty middle of the road. That's yeah. pretty middle of the road. <laughs> All right. Uh, I don't know if we learned anything from that segment, um, but we tried. Uh, and that's what really matters. Big arm and big bat, Drew, what do we got? Uh, let's go big arm and list some nominees here. Cameron Weston from Michigan went eight innings in a victory against Illinois. Just gave up four hits, five strikeouts. I feel like the big arm wasn't as like obvious this week. It wasn't. Well, wasn't as obvious. It was like the most obvious last week (laughs) ever (laughs) with Kate McGabe Brown. 
Yeah. Uh, Mason Earl at Pitch Can't well I just again. make it easy on us every week? We're just asking one guy I know. to have like 16 to 18 strikeouts every weekend, complete game. Just make it easy on us. I think Tommy Summer led strikeouts this week with 12 against Purdue in game one and six and a third. Erla, I had just previously mentioned seven innings, eight strikeouts, and a win versus Illinois. Trenton Wallace pitched well again, seven innings, two hits, uh, eight strikeouts for Iowa in a shutout victory over Nebraska. Uh, Harry Rakowski had eight strikeouts. Uh, ben Worski for Rutgers uh, had a shutout game. No runs, seven and a third, three hits. Uh, Fredrickson, Patrick Fredrickson, a name we haven't hey. mentioned in a couple of years, came in in relief. Uh, did not get the victory. Another relief pitcher did there for Minnesota. Uh, but Fredrickson uh, pitched the best for the Golden Gophers. Three innings, one hit, and four strikeouts in his relief appearance. Uh, we're going to go to Maryland, though. Oh, yeah. uh, because Jason Sabakul pitched a complete game, a 7-1 to victory over Penn State. Nine innings uh, from Sabakul, five hits, only one unearned run given up. So Jason Sabakul, his first big arm. Hey, there we go. And the Bats had a good weekend. They did. Cam Chick had a couple of home runs for Nebraska. So did Max Anderson, who we saw play the freshman, had another couple of homers that kid's uh, good. for the Cornhuskers. Ben Norman had a couple of home runs for Iowa. Uh, same with Chris Brito at Rutgers. Uh, Sean Gusenberg had another couple home runs. Uh, or no, I'm sorry, one home run, but it was a home run in the bottom of the eighth inning to take the lead and go on to that victory over Minnesota, 4-3. to three. I have a question for you that you don't know the answer to. Are home runs oh, up geez. this year in the Big Ten? I would assume feel, so, because Rutgers has 20. 20? Is, just, is that true, or does it just feel that way? Stats. We'll get stats and reachers on that yeah. for next week. We should probably, like... <laughs> Look into this ourselves instead of relying on an entity that doesn't exist. I think. I, I don't know. I mean, I yeah. Hire somebody for no money. <laughs> yeah, hire somebody. Pay them Anybody out of the got pool? extra time in their hands? <laughs> uh, Josh Spiegel for Penn State uh, had a game-winning single in the ninth uh, against Mar- Maryland. They were tied going into the ninth there. He was three for five overall in that game. We're going to go a little outside the box with Big Bat this week. But I think this is a good one. Victor Valderrama for Rutgers uh, came in to pinch hit in the ninth inning, uh, got a base tying single mm-hmm. in the ninth. Yeah, game went to extra innings, went to the eleventh. Valderrama came back up to bat with a runner on third base, sacrifice fly, walk off, game over. So game tying hit in the ninth, game winning hit, game winning sacrifice mm-hmm. in the eleventh. We'll give him Victor Valderrama. The big bat. For Sounds his good. You don't game. have to. You don't have to hit a home run to get big bat. You just got to come through in a big spot, and he did so this weekend. All right, let's uh, let's talk to Steve Owens, the second year head coach for the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. We'll do that coming up here in just a moment on the Big Baseball Podcast, a production of One Hundred One Seven The Hammer. Welcome back to the Big Baseball Podcast. Kyle Charters here and uh, very excited to welcome in in his second year at Rutgers, Steve Owens. It, it doesn't really feel, I guess, like a second year, does it? I mean, it probably feels like you've been there in Piscataway a while, but just haven't, you know, played enough baseball maybe to to warrant it being season number two. But uh, but here we are, and season number two is, is off to a really good start for you guys. First of all, uh, excited to have you on. Thanks for 
Thanks for spending some time with us. And, and you do have to be excited about the six and five start, I think. Yeah, I mean, last year, obviously, you know, ended abruptly for everybody. And, and uh, we were in the infancy stages of trying to figure out what we had and just, you know, just trying to, you know, do some recruiting and, and, and get, you know, know what the players' skill sets were and, and just get acclimated to a new school, new situation. Um, so we were, you know, well into the process of that when things got shut down. And, and then, um, you know, this year has been a struggle for everyone, as you know. Um, but we're, you know, we're, we're playing conference-only games, and, and it's been a grind. Uh, but we're excited to be on the field and, um, and looking forward to, you know, hope, hopefully we, we get to stay on the field and our kids get a chance to play this year. That's the most important thing. Yeah. You take two of three against uh, Ohio State over the weekend and what looked like, at least from afar, a, uh, a well-pitched and a well-played series uh, against a, a good opponent and the Buckeyes and one that's, you know, most likely going to be there considering it's pitching, uh, you know, toward the end of the season. Just what did you guys do well over the weekend that allowed you to, to win the series? Well, we pitched it this weekend. You know, we've been, uh, we've done some good stuff, um, maybe half the time on the mound, you know, the, the previous two weekends got a couple good starts and, and a couple good relief appearances, but not, you know, not consistency across the board. Uh, this weekend, our pitchers pitched very well, which they needed to because we were in, you know, one, one and two run games and, and it was, you know, it was pitch by pitch the whole day. Um, and we knew that they had really good arms um, and they hadn't scored a whole lot of runs and, and, uh, we had good weather. Um, the wind blew in three different directions, you know, <laughs> one day Saturday, one day Sunday, and, and then in on Monday. Um, but uh, it was a very high intensity weekend. Um, you know, their starting pit, their arms are really good as a staff. It's the first, because we played, you know, we played the pod and then we played, um, you know, and then we played at Maryland. So we got to see all of Maryland's arms, uh, but we got to see half of Indiana's and half of Minnesota's. Um, in a, and then we got into a regular three game set with Indiana and, you know, we, we saw, uh, we saw some really good starting pitching, um, with, with elite velocity and good spin. And then there's some dudes coming out of the bullpen too. So, um, it was, it was quite challenging offensively and, uh, we needed to pitch well and our guys pitched very well. And, and we got a couple timely hits and took care of the ball good enough to win two games. Yeah. You mentioned those timely hits. A lot of your timely hits this year have been home runs. Uh, you guys are, are lacing it uh, a little bit, 20, I think, on the season, including Chris Brito, who has 8 and 42 at-bats, which I don't know if you've had a player, uh, and maybe you have, uh, has been off to that, that crazy a start. I mean, what is the, what's the – I'm not good at math. What is the math on that? It's like, what, one in five at-bats that he's hitting a home run? I mean, that is, that is incredible. Just, you know – why has he been so successful? And then, you know, is that translating just to your team being able to, to hit the ball like it is? Well, um, you know, we, we weren't as, as good last year offensively. We, we have a couple more pieces in the puzzle this year. You know, we still have room to grow and improve, but our, our players have improved. We've been able to, to work with them. Uh, you know, Kyle and, and, and uh, Brandon are, you know, our positional coaches have done a good job with these guys. And we've, we've, uh, we want to be aggressive. Um, you know, we want to swing the bats. I've always been an offensive coach. I value scoring runs. 
hitting extra base hits and I love hitting home runs. Um, I think it's exciting for college baseball. Um, and, you know, Chris uh, has always had the ability to hit the ball over the fence. Um, he's now just a way more complete hitter, you know, on time more, hitting fastballs, hitting breaking balls, hitting change-ups, hitting the ball over the right field fence, the left field fence, and the, and the batter's eye. So he's, he's become a more complete player, as you can see, you know, with, with only five strikeouts and six walks. Yeah. Um, on his resume, that's, a, that's an incredible start. Um, you know, and we're trying to lengthen our lineup. And, you know, we had a couple, couple setbacks this weekend with, you know, some guys getting, you know, dinged up and uh, which kind of changed things for us a little bit. But, you know, COVID and injury changes everything, you know, for everybody. So we have to, you know, get back up there and, and next guy up for a little bit. Um, but Chris has been awesome. Um, really exciting to watch. I don't care, you know, um, uh, if the wind's blowing in or out or whatever, the kid, the kid can flat out hit. Um, and we moved him to third base too. So we, we changed his position literally like eight days before we started our season. Yeah. And we were like, okay, this guy, we can get better. Maybe if we do this and we can get another hitter in the lineup and this guy's handling the first base really well. And this opens up some more options. And we said, Hey, Chris, go play third. And, uh, and he, he went over to play third. So um, we're really proud of him. Uh, you know, we've had uh, 20 home runs. That's a great, we needed that. You know, we needed that because, you know, we haven't put, we've put a lot of good at-bats together, but not stringing together, you know, four hit innings or five hit innings. Um, you know, that's, that takes really good continuity and good depth and good hitters for your lineup. And, and we're getting closer, but, um, the long ball is something we're big and physical. Um, that's something that I try to recruit to. And, you know, I think we'll continue to get to that going forward. I like physical position players. And, uh, and again, you know, it's, to me, um, that's a fun, you know, it's a fun, fun way to play. Yeah. Did Chris even have any time outdoors practicing third base before your, before your first game? Maybe, maybe two days. <laughs> now we've stuck them over there because right. you know every every coach that's going into playing 44 conference games without any non-meaningful games to try to figure stuff out has prepared their team for okay if you get hurt you got to go here and you get yeah. hurt you know so he was a high school shortstop uh i didn't recruit him but he was a high school shortstop um and then we've put him over to third a little bit here and there. And, and, uh, and so he's been over there and practice a little bit, but not like in inner squad games until recently. Yeah. So we put him over there. Uh, he took ground balls for a day. He sprained his ankle. He missed another 10 days of practice at third base. And then we started our season. So <laughs> well, that's, that makes it even more impressive. Uh, the start that he's gotten off to there's, there's no doubt about, no doubt about that. You mentioned earlier about, you know, having some injuries and, you know, having to deal with, with COVID and all of that. How, um, how much of a grind is, you know, we're only a fourth of the way through it. How much of a grind is, you know, 44 conference games where, you know, everyone matters as much as the next one. And you, you know, maybe don't have that bye week to take a breath or, you know, a midweek opponent where you feel like, uh, perhaps you can throw a young arm and, and still get a victory or, or something like that. Uh, it doesn't make uh, depth more important and just, you know, maybe mental aptitude 
more important too and sticking with it and all those kind of things? Yeah, I mean, every pitch is meaningful. Listen, the team, regardless of record, every team is good. They have an extra year of players. Um, kids are hungry to play. You're only playing, you know, weekend series. The arms are all ready to go. Like the hitters, to, to, you're going to see lower batting averages in this conference than you've ever seen because you don't have the other 30, you know, 32 games that you normally play to get RPI and to develop pitchers and to play games and to get fans at, at your park. You just have 44, you know, literal, literal battles with in-conference opponents who have very good depth on the mound. So, you know, to put up good numbers offensively this year as a team and as an individual is going to be quite challenging because you're facing, I mean, you know, we faced like 95, 97, you know, 95, 98 last, last weekend, you know, Indiana's arms were very good. Uh, you know, Minnesota had a really high profile starter that's supposed to get drafted high and, and, and Maryland's pitching was very good. So like we haven't seen, you know, we have not seen any subpar pitching and nor do I expect to see any subpar pitching. I just expect it to be a tough battle. And, and um, you know, the games are close. The, the games, you know, you can win some hitting wise, you got to win some pitching, you got to win some on defense. You got to be pretty good at everything. And um, so far I've been very impressed with, uh, you know, with the pitching in the, that, that we've played so far in the conference. And your own pitching has been good, too, especially uh, at the top of your rotation. I was impressed, too, that you have uh, five saves by three different guys. I think that tells me that in some tight situations, you've been able to rely on some guys uh, at the back end to be able to uh, to close things out. And, you know, as you said, you know, win some of those close games um, that you have to be able to win that, that makes such a huge difference. Um, do you feel like you've gotten some some good – you know, some good production at the, the top end of your rotation and then, uh, you know, some guys that have been able to, to come in in pressure situations and get guys out? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Harry's been – was very solid weekend one, um, struggled a little bit weekend two. Had a, You know, this weekend he literally was in a battle um, from the get-go. And then I look – you know, you look at the game in the sixth inning and he's given up four hits, has 11 strikeouts, and we're winning, you know. So – it, he pitched out of a lot of tough spots, veteran guy. Uh, ben Wereski's been super, um, you know, grad, grad transfer guy, very mature, um, has really pitched and executed well. Um, Brent, Brent Teller had a couple rough uh, starts this weekend. He was great, uh, pitched with great tempo, had good velocity, good spin, um, only walked one, struck out five, and I think five and a third. Um, you know, we handed the ball off in game three in the sixth inning, you know, to, to relieve relief pitchers with the lead. So um, very pleased with the guys. Um, several good options in the bullpen. They're not selfish. They take the ball when we, when we give it to them. We've got some good right-handed options. We've got several left-handed options. We have good velocity. We've got different looks. Um, so, you know, we're, we're pleased with, with the amount of progress that we've been able to make in a year and, uh, we're hoping, you know, that we can, you know, I, like I told my staff today, I said, you know, it would be nice if we, you know, scored some runs and then didn't give up too many runs instead of giving up no runs and scoring no runs and then scoring a million runs and giving up a lot of runs. You know, let's, let's find a nice happy medium and so that we can have a game where we're not pulling our hair out 
and it's not coming down to the last pitch. But I, it seems like that's the way it's going to roll. Um, you know, it really does seem to me like uh, the difference between winning and losing is, is going to be very close in, in a lot of games. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, if you, if you come out on top of those games, it makes it a little easier to stomach than if you're, than if you're losing a series of them. And, and so far, you guys have uh, been able to get a lot of those and, and a reason where you are where you are. Um, what do you guys what, – what's sort of the next thing, sort of to, to, to get a little bit better at everything, or what are you looking for? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, we have our players. So, you know, the, the, the job this year is to coach them to maintain their health, to keep developing them, um, you know, to be able to survive all the different things that happen to you in, in a season with, with injuries and, and, and depth and COVID and everything else that, that we're, we're hoping doesn't happen, but it's, you know, it's going to show its face at some point. Um, and, you know, the first thing that w- we wanted to really get our guys doing is just competing at a high level um, and expecting to win and putting in the work that it takes to win and then and then uh, showing up to play every inning of every game. Um, and, and so far, we've been very pleased with that. The, our energy's been good. Um, you know, when things haven't gone well, they've stayed the course. When we've, uh, when we've been winning, we've been able to maintain it. Um, we've come from behind. We've won extra inning games. We've won in all different ways so far. We've won in the slugfest. Um, you know, we're trying to teach them the value of putting a game away when it's sitting in the balance, not just leaving it there, you know, because it changes the pitching we use for that game and it changes game two and it changes game three and it changes game four. If you're playing four, we didn't fare well in the four game sets so far, you know, um, when we got into the fourth game of a weekend, we have to do that three more times. We feel we have a little better solution for that. And, and um, some more guys that have, you know, gotten their feet wet and gotten comfortable. So we feel pretty comfortable that we can do that. But uh, the three game sets are, are, they seem to go by pretty quick when you, when you open the season with a couple fours and um, you know, we've been able to get off to a good start in a lot of games too, score early. Um, and I feel like, you know, our guys have been pretty coachable with, with respect to approach and scouting opponents and looking for weaknesses and trying to build on our strengths and, the combination of the two of those things giving us a good chance if we can execute it to, to be a good ball club. But we, we're showing some good toughness. Um, we like our kids. They're gritty. Um, you know, we're, we're not the most talented, you know, team in the world. Um, but we have, we have some very good players that uh, have gotten better, and, um, and we're excited about that. You mentioned playing in the pod. In the, one of the three-team pods, um, and I hadn't really thought about what you said about, you know, sort of the, the pitching matchups and the oddity with that a little bit, that, that you'll see the best of one team in, in theory and then, the, you know, the three, four starters uh, of, of the next, which is a typical, you know, you're, you're just seeing them from a different team than what you saw perhaps the day before or whatever, but um, does, does that add any extra strategy to to what you're doing and who you're pitching on what day, or do you just try to keep your rotation the same, or or how many well, how much matchups are you looking at when when you are playing two different opponents in a weekend? Yeah, we're not really changing our weekend rotation um, in a three game set because of you know just we don't want to yo yo guys back to five days rest or six days rest. We're already a day you know we're a day short right now because of playing on Monday, but. Um, the only other option, and I've thought about this going forward, you know, with my pitching coach, uh, 
is, is the potential of the seven inning game in the four game, uh, the four game matchups where you have just four games. Um, and that, cause the, the four game pods are nine inning games yeah. because they have to be nine inning games. So, um, you know, do you just keep your guys on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday and that four game set, and then you throw someone in, in the seven inning game, or do we do it differently? We have to still figure that out. Uh, we got, we got a few more weeks of three gamers to figure that out. Um, but yeah, uh, you could face, you know, you could go into a pod with, with three other, or two other teams and you could wind up just the way it winds up. You could get the other teams, number one and number one, each of the teams, number ones. Mm -hmm. uh, you yeah. could wind up getting two and four. Like you, you don't, you don't know how it's going to go um, because of just, you know, some teams play Friday, Saturday, Sunday, some play Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Um, the home team for the four game pods that are on campus outside of the first two weekends is one game Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. So, um, you know, it, it, it all, it all could be different, you know, but quite honestly, I haven't seen too much difference between the number ones and the number threes. Yeah. Uh, you know, on a given year, there might be, uh, everybody's got a lot of, a lot of junior dudes back that were supposed to be in the draft last year. And there's a lot, there's enough guys out there chucking it and there's not a lot of difference between number one, and number three right. or number four. Yeah. So, um, you know, with what we've seen so far, we've only played, I think four opponents, but three weekends, we were able to, you know, to split the first four game and split the second four game and win and win the first three games. So, you know, we're obviously, if you, if you win six games, you want to have seven and, and that's, you know, that's part of competing. You want to win everything. But uh, all in all, we're pretty pleased with, with what our guys have been able to do so far. Yeah. So what made Rutgers uh, so attractive to you a couple of years ago that you uh, decided you wanted to take that step? Obviously, you've had a, a ton of success in your nearly 30 years and taken a bunch of teams to 13 NCAA tournaments. And, um, you know, probably were fairly comfortable, but uh, obviously welcoming up a new challenge. What was it about the Scarlet Knights? Yeah, I mean, um, it was it was a power five uh, school in a great conference in the region that I've been coaching and recruiting, you know, my entire life. So when it became open, you know, it was something that I was interested in. Um, and, you know, things worked out um, through the interview process and the, uh, um, you know, it just felt right, felt like a, like a place that, um, you know, it's not, it didn't have everything that we need right now, but, um, you know, has, has a rich uh, history uh, going back into the Big East days um, and a really good player base to recruit in, in New Jersey, if you can keep them home. And, um, you know, and again, being in the Big Ten um, was, was kind of cool. Like, that was a big selling point, you know, to watch, you know, be able to be a part of those atmospheres in football and basketball and all the other sports and the high level of academics and in the big schools you know it's just kind of fun um, I haven't had that challenge yet um, and it, it was it felt like it felt right for me professionally as well as my family and from an administrative standpoint you know I feel that there's a very strong high level commitment uh, for me to come in and build you know build something the way I want which is what I've been able to do everywhere I've been mm -hmm. uh, so you know I'm not, I didn't come here to like, you know, try to do a quick fix and, and get out of here. I came here to, to 
to, to do what I've been able to do for, you know, at three different places, um, try to methodically build it, build it the right way with the right kids and the right coaches um, and garner support and, and, and elevate everything and win. And then, you know, hopefully um, stay here for a long time. Right. I've always enjoyed my trips uh, over to Rutgers. Everybody's very uh, uh, welcoming. The, the field uh, playing surface is nice. Um, probably, you know, need to see some upgrades in the facility structure at some point. Is there, a, is there plans for, for that uh, here in the future? Yeah. I mean, that 100%, like not a probably, like, yes, we, we need, <laughs> we, we need, uh, we need to get some stuff done here, um, especially, you know, traveling around and seeing what other people have. I mean, I looked at Purdue's facilities. I haven't been there yet, but, you know, looks, pre looks pretty nice. And, and everywhere else we've been is nice. Um, so, uh, yes, we have a wonderful field that's brand new, um, made a lot of upgrades. Um, there's been quite a bit of changes and, and progress made, and we have a lot more to go. Uh, you know, we, we, uh, we feel like that's, um, you know, that's a very important um, next step for us um, from, you know, from, uh, from a recruiting standpoint, as well as, you know, um, our players deserving that type of player development, you know, facilities, as well as fans. Like we, we believe that we can be an attractive fan base and get people to come watch us and, and develop some excitement around our program. And so that's, it's all related. Yeah. My last trip over there, I, I, uh, I didn't have glasses at that time and only wore contacts. There was something wrong with my right eye and I could not wear my right contact. So I spent the whole uh, weekend trying to call baseball games with only one eye <laughs> <laughs> from behind home plate. And it was yeah. made for quite a, a memorable experience just because I'm like, I can't, I can barely see anyway. I can certainly uh, not see with only one, one eyeball here. So, uh, um, uh, but it was great, and everybody's always so so uh, so great over there, and, and helps us out so much. But I just thought it was funny and and sort of a funny memory that uh, you know I couldn't see. It was a problem. Yeah, well, we we hope if you come back in in uh, in a year or two, you know that um, you've got a comfy place to watch the game and and uh, an exciting venue to be in. Yeah. And and I'm you know as a coach, I know how important that is to me. Uh, I know how important it is to our program. Uh, to our perception, to our recruiting, to our success, to everything. Um, so, you know, we're, we're hoping very hard and, and they're, they're, you know, that process has already started. You know, there's, uh, there's some, uh, there's been some movement, some very positive movement um, and talk on facilities. And, and I believe a very strong commitment, you know, from, from Pat Hobbs and our administration to address some of these things. So Purdue this weekend, um, there might be fans, I guess, in the in the stands, which which yeah, be, sounds like seven hundred and fifty. Yeah, so that'll so, be that's better than zero. So that are our guess friends and family. What are the one hundred and fifty that it that it has been? So uh, that'll be nice. But um, you know, a trip over to to, to play Purdue and, and an opportunity, I think, for you guys to keep it rolling a little bit. Yeah, I think the last time I played Purdue. Um, I was at Lemoyne, and, and I don't remember where we played them. We might have played them at a tournament in in uh, Evanston, Illinois, or something like that, hmm. like a three three game set. Or I might have I don't remember. I played them in a tournament somewhere, like not an NCAA tournament, but a but a uh, you know just a little three game tournament. Yeah. Um, and and one of my buddies uh, that I played you know Legion baseball and summer college baseball with, Archie Cianfraco, hmm. his son was on the team. Yeah. Yeah. Look just like them and stuff. So 
uh, but I hadn't, hadn't been there yet. And, uh, you know, I've played at a couple of the big 10 uh, venues over the year, over the years, you know, and played some of them in, in NCAA regionals over the years, but um, excited to, you know, get a chance to go out and, and see these campuses and, and play at these places. And, and uh, you know, we're playing everybody this year. So, um, you know, you, this, is a, this is a good year to learn a lot about every team because we're playing every single one of them. Yeah. Well, hey, Coach, appreciate the time. Uh, perhaps I'll be able to come down and say hi. Uh, I'm not sure that they're going to let me out of the radio booth uh, just because of, because of the circumstances. Uh, they, they keep us quarantined up there, I think. But uh, I do appreciate you coming on, and uh, uh, thanks a lot. Best of luck the, uh, the rest of the season. All right. Thanks a lot. appreciate the time. We'll be back with more here in just a moment on the Big Baseball Podcast. Thanks again to Steve Owens for coming on the podcast for today. We do appreciate his time and nice to talk to him. He's got that Rutgers team, Drew, as we hit the weekend rotation playing pretty well. Two of three against Ohio State. And I mean, the thing that, you know, as we talk to him that stands out is the 20 home runs, but an eight of them from Chris Prito, which he has eight homers and yeah. 42 at bats. As I said a minute ago, I don't, I can't do the math, but that's like one in five. At bats. One in five at bats, he's on a home run. That's good. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, but but Rutgers can do some other things, too. I mean, they can pitch it at times, and they you know, can play a little bit de- defense. The thing that stuck out, stuck out to me is that they have um, five saves by three different guys. So, you know, in pressure situations, they're finding guys to get some outs, which is um, impressive, and it has allowed them to be over 500 through the first 11 games. Yeah, Harry Rukowski has has been the ace over there for a little while, and he's still there for the Friday start. And then they got a little help from Ben Worski on the mound, a transfer from Columbia, uh, who I shouldn't say this because I don't know, but Columbia probably just got rid of their baseball program, right? I think. Anyway, um, that's a fun fact that might not be true. Uh, um, By the way, we used to, <laughs> in downtimes during Purdue broadcast over the years, uh, way back in the day we did uh, – Fun facts that are not even true, which was just a great segment that we would talk about. We did that before fake news was a thing. So we yeah, started. We it. were the pioneers of fake news um, with fun facts that are not even true, which we have considered at times um, going back to. We have. Yeah. We have. Like and Walt we'll Weiss's son that plays for Michigan. Not sure we wanted to start on not the podcast, true. but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my apologies to the Columbia baseball team if they still have a program. But uh, Worski is a graduate transfer from Columbia who has helped out. My question, I guess, we might see this weekend is uh, can Rutgers win without the long ball? Alexander Field has been historically pretty pitcher-friendly. Mm-hmm. So they'll travel to Purdue and Alexander yeah, Field. Can they win without hitting the long ball? Depends on the wind. We will see that uh, this weekend in Alexander. Uh, speaking of which... Number two, uh, fans in the stands, baby. Yes. 50% in Alexander this weekend. And at least according to KLIN News Talk 1400 AM, that's in, is that in Lincoln? I don't know if it's in Lincoln. It's in Nebraska. It's in Nebraska. Um, and I think some other people, um, some sources there, does, we do anticipate that the, the Big Ten will uh, take a, 
a look at this um, and, and open it up to fans. Um, so, yeah, fans in the stands will be nice. I don't think it's going to have much impact, like, on the games that are being played and the players. Yeah. But it's certainly nice. good for Big Ten baseball. It's going to be nice. Yeah. I just don't know if it's going to have any, like, immediate impact, like, on the actual play on the field. It could. Right, but, I mean, it'll give people, I mean, it'll be nice to get outside and, and watch a little bit of baseball. I mean, we don't need to get into the, you know, the ins and outs of indoor versus outdoor and the virus and all of that. But simply put, it's, you know, it'll be nice to be able to have uh, some people out there to watch a little bit of baseball. Uh, certainly at Alexander Field this weekend, and we think elsewhere around the Big Ten, at least according to sources who are talking to uh, K-L-I-N. Um, all right, topic number three, uh, what are you watching this weekend? Uh, I'm going Michigan State IU. Uh, I want to see a couple things. I want to see if the IU pitching staff can sort of get it back together. I keep saying they sort of fell off there, but it wasn't much. They didn't pitch poorly against Purdue. It just wasn't as dominant, dominant as they had been. Uh, they you still want lead. Cade, McCade Brown. You want McCade Brown yes. to have 16 strikeouts every every week and not four walks. <laughs> okay, is that too much to ask? That's expectations are high. <laughs> uh, the IU still leads uh, the Big Ten in ERA. They're going up against Michigan State, who is second in team batting average. They've got three guys who can really rake, hitting around or above 400. So that matchup, IU pitching versus Michigan State offense, intrigues me. I'm looking at that pod in Columbus, Iowa, Maryland, and Ohio State. Three of those middle-of-the-pack teams. Does one team separate itself from those other two this weekend? Or uh, does everybody just finish 500 and they're in the same spot that they were? I think uh, I'll be curious to see, uh, especially with Maryland, you know, whether it can, um, you know, continue to play well and sort of uh, break the baseball. So that's – and then literally we'll be watching um, Rutgers at Purdue. And we'll be crowd-watching as well. And we'll be doing it from inside the stadium, which will be awesome. All right. Sounds good. Um, thanks, to everybody, for listening. Tell your friends. Uh, tell everyone you know. Um, we, we are dropping this on Wednesday, which might happen at times during this season. The reason we are doing that is because there are a bunch of weekends this year, uh, more than typical, that the series are ending on Mondays. I, I think most of, like, over half of them did, yeah. and just our ability to get coach interviews uh, becomes really difficult when a team plays at 1 o'clock on a Monday, and then we record this at 9 o'clock on a Tuesday morning. So we want to be able to bring you uh, the best content possible. So there might be times this year that the pod drops on a Wednesday morning, as it did this week. All right, that'll do it. Um, thank you for listening. For Drew Charters, I'm Kyle Charters. This is the Big Baseball Podcast, a production of 1017 The Hammer.